Welcome to the Nourish, Eat, Repeat podcast, helping people who want to improve their health and change their mindset around food so they can live the life they were designed and called for. I am your host, Adrian Delgado, and in this podcast, I'll give you step-by-step action plans to reach your health goals, as well as my favorite recipes I know you and your family will enjoy. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. I'm so glad you're here. Summer's almost over. It pains me to say this, but if you've got kids at home, you might be getting ready for the next school year. You might be dropping your older kids off at college, or you might just be excited for all things fall. Like you're over summer, you're over the heat, and you're ready for all things pumpkin and cooler nights. I know one of my favorite things about August is listening to the band play at night. Our house borders uh, a high school, and it's just, I don't know, it brings back so many great memories of getting ready for another school year when you start hearing the band practice at night. And so it's one of the perks of living next to a school district is we're able to hear them practice. One of the things that trips up my clients is alcohol. And so I wanted to talk a little bit more about alcohol today. I know we did an episode, oh, it might have even been a year ago, about different types of drinks and lower calorie drinks and how to um, tips for how to keep it more moderate. But I wanted to go a little bit deeper today and really talk about alcohol in terms of what type of drinker you may be. Um, is it a problem? And by no means am I here to cast judgment uh, about your alcohol intake. Um, I do enjoy having a drink every once in a while, but um, if you are struggling, with this topic, um, you know, I definitely encourage you to get some help and to reach out to people that can be helpful to you uh, as you work through this. But we want to talk a little bit, maybe be a little bit more serious today about what alcohol use disorder looks like. How can you determine if maybe you're struggling more than you think you are with this topic? Um, But then also, Figuring out what do you want your relationship with alcohol to be moving forward. Um, Again, not looking to say all alcohol is bad. You can't drink. uh, You need to abstain. For some people, that is true. And for others, they would enjoy having a drink from time to time. So so how do we do that in a healthy way that still honors our health goals, uh, but also helps us feel our best? All right. So... When it comes to drinking, there's usually four types of drinkers. At least there was a study done by La Trobe University, and they identified four different types of drinkers. There's those that are looking for enhancement to a situation. So they're looking for things to be exciting. These tend to be your extroverts uh, or people that are impulsive, maybe aggressive. They are just looking to have a good time and everything's better with a drink in your hand. So that's one type of drinker. Another type of drinker is are those people that are looking 
to use alcohol as a coping strategy. You know, they want to forget their worries. They want to forget their troubles and just numb out for a while. Then there are the social drinkers. They are excited to celebrate. You know, somebody does well at work or it's a holiday or it's a Tuesday, right? You know, they're just looking to celebrate any particular circumstance that they can celebrate. We're going to do it with alcohol because it's a special occasion. And then finally, the last type of drinker are those that are doing it more for conformity purposes to fit in. Everybody else is doing it. And although, you know, our moms drilled it into our heads, if everybody else jumps off a bridge, you know, we would be the ones that don't jump, but it's hard when you're in a situation where everybody else is drinking to be the person that doesn't. I remember years ago, I was at a party. It was actually with my Bible study at the time, and we were having a Christmas party, and I know one of the ladies brought a bottle of wine, and you know, we were going around and, and pouring glasses of wine and the one lady in our group declined. And I said, Oh, do you not drink? And she said, No, I do. But I have just made it a habit whenever I'm in public um, situations like this, to decline that way, if somebody else is struggling, they feel like they have somebody that's declining with them, they don't feel so alone or isolated. And I was like, wow, that is so incredibly selfless. Like, I just, I still remember that. I was probably, gosh, I was in my 20s. So that was 20 years ago. And I still remember the lady's name. I still remember the situation where I was standing in her dining room. And I just thought, wow, that is such a selfless act. And so, you know, some people really struggle. Like say you are struggling with alcohol and, and to have everybody else around you drinking, it is more likely for you to just accept because you don't want to be the odd man out. But knowing what type of drinker you are is actually really helpful because knowing why you're drinking helps you know how to intervene if you're trying to decrease your frequency. So we always want to know our motivation behind something. Why are we doing this? Because again, when we're looking for ways to cope or we're looking for new ways to create better habits, we can create a situation that is just as motivating. Now, for some, there are some people that are struggling, right, when it comes to alcohol intake. So we define moderate alcohol intake for men less than or equal to two drinks a day, or for women less than or equal to one drink a day. We, we put heavy drinkers, we classify heavy drinkers for men more than four drinks a day or greater than 14 drinks a week. And for women greater than three drinks in a day or greater than seven drinks in a week. Okay, so that's how we would classify heavy alcohol intake. Um, binge drinking for men is greater than five drinks in a two-hour period. For women, it's greater than four drinks in a two-hour period. Uh, or binge drinking can also be defined as drinking more than five drinks 
um, or I'm sorry, binge drinking more than five days in a month. So for women having four drinks in that two hours, um, just randomly or binge drinking over five days a month. Okay. So I like to go over these classifications because again, it can just bring awareness to your habits and you know, if you are okay with this or if you want to make changes, obviously heavy alcohol intake is associated with specific medical conditions, especially liver damage. Um, it can also, uh, cause problems with your heart, depending on what types of drinks you are drinking can also raise blood sugar, um, hypertension, like we said, cardiac disease, liver failure, uh, and nutrient deficiencies. So the DSM-5 actually has a classification for alcohol use disorder severity. All right. So if you have two or three of these symptoms present, you would be considered mild on the alcohol use disorder classification. Uh, if you have four to five of these symptoms, you would be in the moderate category. And if you have six or more of these symptoms, then you would be under the severe classification. So I want to go through these. There's actually 11 of these symptoms. And, you know, I just want you to, to listen identify if you experience any of these, uh, or maybe you know somebody that experiences these. Uh, so let's go through them. So the first one is uh, you often consume alcohol in large amounts or over a longer period of time than intended. That could be indicating of um, alcohol use disorder. Uh, persistent desire or unsuccessful attempts to cut down or control use. So this is one of these, like, I'm always trying to cut down and I just can't seem to do it. Or I have all these good intentions and I just can't seem to control how much I drink at night. So that would be another symptom. Uh, third is if you're spending a great deal of time on activities necessary to obtain alcohol, use alcohol, or recover from its effects. Another symptom is craving or a strong desire or urge to use alcohol. Uh, another one is if you have recurrent alcohol use resulting in failure to fulfill a major role at work, school, or at home. So if that alcohol is now interfering with you to be able to perform your job or take care of your kids or um, show up on time to a different events, that is a good indicator that it might be more severe. Uh, continued alcohol use despite persistent or recurrent social or interpersonal problems caused by the effects of alcohol. So what I take this to mean is you've got family members, you've got friends that may be coming to you and saying, hey, I think this is a problem. Um, and it's starting to stress your relationships with, with friends and family. Uh, but yet you continue to use and drink the alcohol anyway. Uh, another symptom is important social, occupational, or recreational activities are given up or reduced because of alcohol use. So at this point, you might find yourself withdrawing from people um, because 
you know, it, you may not have the ability to drink at those situations, or you just want to stay home and drink and you start to, you know, isolate yourself from different social situations. Another symptom is recurrent alcohol use in situations where it's physically hazardous. So now you're a danger either to yourself or to other people. Another symptom is uh, alcohol use continued despite knowledge of having a physical or psychological problem likely to have been caused or exacerbated by alcohol. So what this basically means is, let's say your doctor has told you that your liver enzymes are elevated, right? And that you need to reduce how much alcohol you're drinking. And yet you still continue to drink because you can't seem to stop. That would be an indicator of something more severe. And then finally, we got two more left. Uh, number one is tolerance, where basically you need to increase the amount of alcohol you consume to achieve intoxication or a similar desired effect. Or you have a diminished um, effect with continued use of the same amount of alcohol that you've drank before. So basically you're just, you have a higher tolerance level. It takes more to get you drunk. It takes more to get you tipsy. All right. And then the last symptom is experiencing withdrawal symptoms. Uh, so maybe things like irritability, sleep issues, depression, anxiety, uh, severe cravings, aches and pains, headaches, tremors, uh, or uh, potentially uh, withdrawal from additional substances taken to relieve or avoid withdrawal symptoms. So you're starting to take more medication to deal with the after effects. Maybe you're popping in Tylenol or Advil to deal with the headaches the next morning from the hangovers. And so these are the 11 criteria that could potentially indicate a more severe use of alcohol. And so again, if you have two or three of these symptoms, uh, we would consider that a mild alcohol use disorder. Um, if you have four to five of those symptoms, you would be in the moderate class. And if you have six or more, that would be considered severe. And definitely, um, you want to be reaching out for help if you identify with um six or more of those symptoms, even four or five in the moderate category, definitely want to continue to seek out help just to make sure that, that you're okay and that you're safe for not only you, you're safe for your health, but for the safety of others. Now, there are a couple classifications of people that should not be drinking at all. Um, again, I don't ever like to tell people they can't drink. Uh, it just makes them want to drink more right? The minute you tell somebody you can't do it, they just want to do it all the more. So I don't typically tell people not to drink. Um, but if you are drinking alcohol and you're operating heavy machinery, driving a car, obviously, uh, that's a no-no. Um, if you are taking specific over-the-counter or prescription medications, you always want to make sure if they are impacted by alcohol, Specifically, these are more like pain meds, anxiety meds, sleep medications. They're usually the ones that, that are affected the most. And when you think about how are they affected, um, for some, alcohol makes the medication less effective 
So uh, it's actually, you're not getting the benefits of taking the medicine. It can be toxic when it's mixed with alcohol. So you want to be sure that you're not doing anything harmful to your body if you drink taking specific meds. Uh, or it can make the side effects of the medication worse. It could also cause new symptoms. Um, and, or it could make you feel tipsy quicker. So, you know, you may not be... Uh, ready for it or prepared for it and thinking, oh, I have a tolerance to drink one drink and get in a car and I'm fine. But if you're taking a specific medication, whether again, prescription or over the counter, it might enhance those effects and you get tipsy quicker uh, and put yourself at risk. Okay. So that's why we always want to be careful with medications and alcohol. If you have certain medical conditions like hypertension, heart disease, liver disease, some cancers, um, you do want to be talking to your physician about whether or not alcohol is okay for you as it can exasperate some of those conditions. We talked about that earlier. Um, obviously, recovering alcoholics would do better abstaining. Uh, and then if you're under 21 or pregnant or trying to become pregnant, these are all classifications of people that should be abstaining. And um, there's really no wiggle room with that. Those are the, the ones that we do need to be really careful about. Now, you may have listened to me ramble for the last 15 minutes and be like, all right, I get it. And thank you for, for showing me you know, that side that maybe is using it more severely than I am, but I don't have a problem with alcohol. I just like to do it more socially. And I, you know, enjoy having a drink on the weekends. Maybe during COVID, you enjoyed having a drink during the week. <laughs> maybe that stopped once COVID was over. Maybe it continued for a little bit longer than what you felt comfortable with. Uh, I'm still seeing clients now who picked up some habits around alcohol over COVID and are still struggling to work through them, uh, especially my, my weight management clients who are looking for opportunities to maybe cut down on some extra calories. Um, you know, it's one thing when we talk about food they're on board with, but then the minute we start talking about alcohol, all the walls start to come up and the defenses start coming out and the excuses. And, you know, a lot of my clients don't want to change their drinking habits. They enjoy them because it's a source of socializing and, and, um, like you said, enjoying themselves or maybe just numbing out from the day. It's a coping strategy that they've come to enjoy. Uh, but if it's not in alignment with your goals, it may be something we want to take a deeper look at. Okay. So the first thing we need to do, there's actually four tips here. Uh, the first thing we have to do when it comes to alcohol is we need to identify what is the alcohol doing for you, right? What, what are you getting out of this? So go back to those four types of drinkers. Are you looking to, you know, increase excitement in your circumstance? Are you looking to cope? Are you looking to socialize? Are you looking to just fit in? What is that alcohol giving you in the moment? Why do you want it? Right? This is such an important question. We need to know the motivation behind it. What is it doing for you? Why do you want it? Become very clear. 
And then next, I need you to get intentional of what you are and what you aren't okay with. Like maybe you're okay with having a drink to celebrate a friend's birthday, but you're not okay with drinking on a Tuesday because you had a bad day at work. Like this is where we start to identify the boundaries that we want to work with in order to be in alignment with our health goals. All right. I just had this conversation with a client, uh, actually just yesterday, uh, she wants to make some more changes to her, her health and her weight. Um, but she also really likes where she's at. She's like, but I think I feel like I should keep wanting to change. So I was like, you know what? I want you to make a list of what you're willing to do and what you're not willing to do. And then we're going to look at your goals and we're going to see, does this even match? Because if you're not willing to do something, we can look to see, are there any other options available? But at the end of the day, if you're not willing to make a change in that area, then maybe we need to create a different goal. So let me use a non-drinking example for this. So I know that I would like to have a six-pack. I've never had a six-pack in my life in terms of my stomach. I don't even know if it's possible after having all those kids, but... um I like to exercise and work out. And sometimes I think about having a six pack. Um, (laughs) I know Ben, my youngest boy, he's obsessed with having a six pack right now. And so he's always asking, mom, did you ever have a six pack? I'm like, no, buddy, I never did. But thank you for continuing to ask me all the time just to rub it in. And so I was thinking about it the one day. All right, well, if I want to have a more defined stomach, What am I willing to do and what am I not willing to do? And at the end of the day, I'm not willing to give up desserts. I love dessert. I love going out for ice cream with my family. I love eating a good piece of chocolate from time to time. I love having um, a sweet treat on the weekends. Like I really love dessert. I'm not willing to give up all desserts. So bottom line is if having a six pack means giving up desserts, then maybe I don't want a six pack. Does that make sense? So we have to figure out what am I willing to do and what am I not willing to do? And then using that information to question our goals. A lot of us keep making goals because we think we should be making goals. We should want to lose more weight. We should want to, you know, to give up chocolate. We should want to do intermittent fasting because that's all the noise we hear everywhere. But if you don't want to do it, that is okay. You should never feel guilted into making a change because the people around you are making those change. It has to come from within. So one of the best things you can do is just be honest with yourself. What are you willing to do? What are you not willing to do? And that'll show you right there if whether or your your goal or not is realistic. All right. So step number one is, is first identify what is the alcohol doing for you? Why do you want it? Why do you seek out that drink in the first place? And then make sure you're okay with that answer. 
If you notice that the reason why you drink is because you want to fit in, that might not sit well. Like, oh gosh, that makes me feel like such a follower. I, I see myself more as a leader and that puts me in a role I'm not comfortable with. All right, I got to think about this. And then we start to, you know, we start to identify what barriers or I should say what boundaries need to take place. All right. So that's step number one. Step number two is we need to start identifying your triggers, right? Is there a certain time of day where you tend to drink more? Is there a certain time of the week? Do you tend to drink more on Fridays and Saturdays? Maybe you start to drink more on Thursdays. You're still on college time. Uh, maybe Sunday afternoons are your are your trigger. Is it situational, right? When you're socializing, when you're with your friends, when you're at parties, when you're at a wedding, what are the situations where you feel the most vulnerable? Uh, maybe it's people. Maybe it's the people you hang out with, right? When you're with these certain people, you just tend to drink more because they tend to drink more. Do you struggle to say no when you're with them? Right? So we start to identify what are the triggers so that we can take the small steps to start to bridge the gap. Like if you're noticing that you're situational uh, drinking, so you like to drink when you are with your friends. When you're by yourself, not a problem. But when you're with your friends, you really struggle to, to not drink or to, to minimize your, your intake. Well, maybe then we start to create some, I don't know, some new guidelines, new rules, right? Maybe it's like, all right, well, I'm going to go out with my friends, but in between each alcoholic beverage, I'm going to drink a 10 ounce glass of water. And you start there. And then maybe you're like, all right, that sounded good. So now in between each alcoholic drink, I'm going to drink two 10 ounce glasses of water to slow myself down. You know, maybe you, instead of drinking, you get some club soda with a twist of lime and you hold that because it makes you feel like you're participating. Nobody's questioning what you're drinking, but you're not drinking alcohol. Right? A lot of different entrance ramps with this. But we got to figure out where do you struggle the most so that we can come up with solutions. Okay? So we want to identify what your triggers are after we figure out why you're drinking in the first place. And then the third step is we want to start to add barriers. Okay? When it comes to stopping negative behaviors, we have to add boundaries. When we're trying to start a positive behavior, we remove boundaries. So you want to eat more fruits and vegetables, we put a fruit bowl on your kitchen table because now the food is, it's in your line of vision, it's accessible, it's ready to go, you're more likely to pick it. If the fruit is in the refrigerator in the crisper drawer, first of all, you can't even see it. You don't even know it's there. Um, you have to open the drawer. You have to take it out. You have to wash it. You have to, you know, do all the steps. That's, that's a lot of barriers in between selecting it and eating it. 
But when we're trying to stop a negative behavior, we want to add all the barriers. We want to make it as difficult as possible so that there are lots of opportunities for us to say, hey, is this really what I want to do? Or do I want to make another decision? So let's talk about what are some of those negative, um, or I should say, what are those boundaries or barriers that we can add to make drinking more difficult? Well, number one, we can change our access to the beverages, right? Um, Maybe we don't have it in the house. That's a simple one, right? Just don't buy it. And then you're not as likely to drink it if it's not as accessible. Now you got to go out, you got to put jeans on, and you've got to put shoes on and drive to the liquor store to actually pick it up. Um, That's a lot harder than just going into the kitchen and pouring yourself a glass, right? Um, Sometimes people notice they drink a lot if they're drinking wine out of a box, right? From a cost-effective standpoint, wine in a box is definitely cheaper than bottles of wine. So maybe the first barrier is just, you know, moving from a boxed wine to a bottle of wine. Now you got to open it. It doesn't, you know, you're not just moving a spout and getting instantaneous beverage. Uh, You have to purchase it um, more often. You have to pay the cost. So that creates a barrier because now you're pay- it's hurting your wallet. And so that might reduce the volume of alcohol you drink. Another barrier is you can, if you are a, a white wine drinker, you can store your bottles in a cupboard. Like keep your alcohol warm so that way you have to chill it first. That takes time. It's almost like along the lines of putting your credit card in your freezer, right? You, you got to make things a little bit more challenging so you can ask yourself, is this really what I want to do? So if you like your alcohol cold, maybe you keep everything warm because now you have to plan for it. You have to be intentional about putting things in the fridge. Uh, maybe another barrier is you make a list of your top three favorite drinks and you only choose your favorites when it's available versus just drinking what's in the room, right? So for me, if I were to drink a white wine, I probably would pick more of like a Pinot Grigio. So if Chardonnay is offered, that's an easy pass for me. I'm not going to just drink Chardonnay because it's available and because it's white. Like I really want it to be the kind I enjoy. So that way it, you know, First and foremost, I'm drinking a a drink that I enjoy, but second, I'm just not drinking for the sake of drinking. Okay, so again, what are those barriers you can add to help you reduce the frequency or the volume of what you're consuming? And then finally, number four is identify what is the end goal. So this kind of works with tip number one, which is figure out what it's doing for you. Because really, at the end of the day, what are you seeking? Are you seeking a reward? Are you looking to treat yourself? Are you looking to relieve yourself from stress? Uh, Are you looking to numb out? Are you looking for um, basically just to, 
to fit in and feel good, self-confidence, self-esteem? Like, what are you looking for? And then we want to think of non-alcoholic ways to create that same end goal. So if you are looking for a reward, maybe instead of having a drink, you put a token into a reward jar or you put like a dollar into a reward jar. And at the end of the week, you get to spend how much money you saved up. Um, If you're looking to treat yourself, you know, maybe you... You know, you had a hard day. The kids were crazy. Work was crazy. You're just over all of it. And I just deserve to feel good, right? I want to treat myself tonight. Maybe you put a fun non-alcoholic spritzer into a wine glass, right? So that way you still feel like you're having something fancy and indulgent, but you're actually drinking something that is healthier for your body. Uh, If you're looking to relieve stress, what else can you do? Can you listen to music? Can you go take a hot shower? Can you go for a walk? Can you, you know, listen to your favorite podcast and just relax? Can you listen to a comedian and just laugh? Can you play with your pet outside? What are the things that you can do to still achieve that specific end goal without drinking. Um, And then if you're looking to numb out, my goodness, you can scroll on social media for hours. That'll help you numb out. You could binge watch a show on Netflix and still get that same, same experience that you're looking for without a drink in your hand. So the thing to remember is... With negative habits, you typically have an immediate response. So if you're looking for stress relief, that glass of wine or that drink is going to immediately wash over you and you're going to be like, oh, I'm starting to feel better already. Whereas if you go for a walk, you're like, all right, this isn't doing it. This, this just, this doesn't feel like I'm, I'm decreasing my stress. It's always important to remember that positive habits often have a delayed response time. And negative habits typically have an instantaneous response time. That's why the negative habits are so hard to break because you're usually getting instant feedback which, you know, lights up those dopamine centers and, and makes you want to continue to do it. Where the good habits, they, they don't always have that immediate response. You know, going for a walk is so good for you, but you may not feel that way in the first five minutes of your walk. After you're done walking, I, then you're like, okay, that was really good. I feel good. You know, cleared my head. I have some energy. Uh, I gave all that pent-up energy a place to go on the sidewalk, I'm feeling good. But you might not have that instantaneous response and that is okay. Stick with it. Eventually, you know, it will turn into a more, uh, a faster response. But in the beginning, when you're trying to replace habits, you may be thinking, this isn't working. That is totally normal. Stick with it. And eventually, you will come to enjoy that new habit. All right. 
So hopefully that was helpful. Again, we talked about the four types of drinkers. We identified um, what is moderate drinking, what is heavy drinking, what is binge drinking. Uh, We talked about alcohol use disorder, severity, um, and then we talked about ways that we can decrease our frequency and our uh, volume by identifying what the alcohol is doing for us, identifying triggers, adding barriers, and recreating an end goal without alcohol. Uh, Just a quick note, uh, some people will try to decrease their alcohol cold turkey. Um, Some will try to just reduce their volume incrementally. I don't have a preference. I've seen it work well both ways. Uh, Some people will do like a dry January um, or sometimes I've seen even a dry November. Uh, Basically, the bottom line is just be clear on what you're trying to accomplish. Are you looking for strategies to decrease your intake um, during that month, like looking for new coping strategies and by giving yourself that 30-day window um, you're identifying what your thoughts are around alcohol and, and how you want to be around alcohol? Or are you looking to see if, can I even do it? Right? Can I just give it up for 30 days? Will I be able to say no? Or, or maybe, you know, my alcohol intake isn't where I'd like it to be. It's a little bit more frequent or higher volume. And I may need to seek out some extra help to get it to a place where I feel comfortable with. So uh, like I said, I've seen both work, but the most important thing is to be really clear why you want to do it so that you can get the results you're looking for. All right. I know it's almost the end of summer, but my recipe for you today is a campfire dessert quesadilla. I told you I like dessert. And so I found this recipe and I thought it was a good one. So for this recipe, you're going to need a small whole wheat tortilla. You're going to need two tablespoons of peanut butter, two tablespoons of dark chocolate chips, and one square, not the rectangle, but just a square of crushed graham crackers. So the first thing you're going to do is heat up a grill. um, Or I guess technically you could do this over a campfire. You would just have to put it Uh, in aluminum foil. Uh, With the tortilla, you're going to spread some peanut butter on half of the tortilla and then add your chocolate chips and the graham cracker crumbs to that same side. Fold the tortilla over in half to close it and gently press down. Next, you're going to place the quesadilla on the grill and cook on each side for two to three minutes or until you see grill marks and the chocolate has melted. So, That is a fun dessert to eat. Uh, As the weather is getting cooler, you might be making some more fires. Um, You know, as we get into the fall months. And so that's always a fun thing that you can do. um, If you want an alternative to s'mores, not looking for the marshmallows, but maybe something with a little bit healthier fats and protein. All right, guys, that's what I got for you this week. I hope you have a fantastic week. And I'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Nourish Eat Repeat podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please rate, review, and share with others so we can reach and help more people. For more information about nutrition, how to work with a dietitian, or about any of our programs, visit our website 
at bodymetricshealth.com. You can also find us on socials. We're on Instagram and Facebook at bodymetricshealth. The book Nourish Eat Repeat is available on our website and Amazon in both paperback and ebook versions. Once again, I'm Adrienne Delgado, and I'll see you next week.